Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. TCL is a proud sponsor of the 1500 ESPN Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings, we present Bonus Chatter. Bonus Chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple Podcast. Hello, welcome to another episode of the Purple Podcast. Matthew Collar here, former NFL quarterback Sage Rosenfels along with me. How are you this morning, Sage? I'm doing great. Ready to talk about the Vikings midweek. Happy hump day. All right. Well, happy hump day to you as well. Um, I missed that commercial with the, uh, with the camel. That was, that was an all time grade. Um, so I sent you a video of the 75 yard touchdown pass from Kirk Cousins to Stefan Diggs because I was going through the film yesterday and a couple of things stuck out to me that we could talk about. But this play was at the top of the list because I think this is the play that you look at as evidence for why the Minnesota Vikings wanted Kirk Cousins because the man has an arm and he can really drive the ball down the field. So a couple of things that I noticed on this play, Sage, is one, they had David Morgan in the game instead of Kyle Rudolph to get a little extra protection and gave Kirk Cousins just enough time to throw the ball. It seems like uh, they understand that he's going to get some pressure in situations like that, uh, but are making an effort to keep him clean. And I think that they did a pretty decent job of that against Green Bay overall. Well, let, let me sort of set up the whole play. And, you know, so that, this play is what you would call this in the West Coast offense. And, and I believe, uh, Filippo's offense coming from Philly is probably mostly West Coast verbiage. So this should be called double left stack, uh, Z short, three jet solid, deep double post, Z deep cross, halfback burst. That's the name of this play. <laughs> that's it? So the, that's pretty simple. That's what they would name it. But they, my guess is they probably shortened it down to a concept phrase that, you know, has probably changed in the last few years. And so when they become a mouthful like that, you just, you know, you call it Old Brown Shoe or something like that <laughs> as long as everybody remembers what Old Brown Shoe is, we're good right. to go, you know. Right. So, but that is the actual setup of that play. You've got a stack formation at the bottom of the screen. And, uh, uh, Laquan Treadwell's, uh, sort of the point man. And Stefan Diggs is, is the guy behind him. And, and the reason that is, is because they want Diggs to have a clean release, uh, so he can get that speed going over the top. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you, what 
basically what happened is, uh, and this play is best versus man-to-man without a doubt. It's okay versus zone. But any of these deep crossing routes, uh, they're okay versus zone, much better versus man-to-man. Obviously, you're running away from the, from the DBs. They have a lot of ground to cover. You like to think that your wide receivers can get separation. And so on this play, uh, you have Laquan try to run what they call it, what they call a deep cross or a far cross. It's really an inside post uh, that goes across to the field to sort of the other hash. And then you have Diggs on the outside running a high, skinny, uh, a deep post. Uh, that is you know, ends up being the touchdown throw. If those two aren't open, then you got uh, uh, Adam Thielen coming across the field and sort of an underneath deep cross from the other side. And if that's not good, then you got the halfback burst by the running back. So uh, to start off with your point, um, you, you talk about you know taking Rudolph out of the game and and, and putting in the, the, the you know the number two tight end. I mean, I, I think Rudy's probably just as good as a blocker in these situations. And the reason you leave a tight end in on this play, this is a seven-step drop. Mm-hmm. We're taking a shot. And we need to have as much protection as possible. You just can't ask, uh, you know, a lineman, five linemen to, to, to pass protect for this long. Right. And so you, you leave that tight end in. You also have your running back in, and then he ends up, you know, check releasing and, and running his burst route. Uh, but basically – uh, what uh, what Kirk Cousins has to do is just read the free safety down the middle. A single safety defense, you're just reading that deep, deep safety. You're hoping, and if you can do it with a little bit of eye movement or even a little bit of lean by your shoulders or something, you'd like to get that deep safety to bite on that inside crossing route, uh, which he does. La- Laquan Treadroll ran a pretty nice route there, uh, had, had had nice depth and nice sort of timing you know, of it, and looked like to me, uh, Kirk Cousins was sort of looking at him with his eyes, mm-hmm. just enough for the safety uh, to be influenced by him, and then you just got to let it go and then make sure you have a good throw, and uh, and 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 that the angle that Stephon Diggs comes out is is the right angle. So uh, you know it's it's one of those plays. It's a it's a big shot if the safety plays super deep. You either got Treadwell underneath, uh, or you have uh, you know also uh, Adam Thielen coming from the other side. So it's a really, really good play. It's really hard to defend. It's good versus, you know, it's good versus quarters coverage. It's good versus cover three. Uh, it's best versus man-to-man. Uh, it's a very, very good play. The challenge is usually, you know, do you have enough time to get it off? There's not really play action. There's a subtle sort of token fake mm-hmm. in the backfield, but nothing to really slow down the defensive lineman from pass rushing. So that the biggest challenge on this play is actually just the protection and have enough time to get it off. So let me say to our listeners who just download the the podcast on your phones that I will include a a link to the web post that has this play in it so you can take a look at all the elements that we're talking about. It was interesting to me, Sage, that the the one of the safeties steps up and it kind of looks like a like a robber type thing. Like he's jumping into the uh, route that Thielen is coming across the middle which creates sort of a single high safety, and then the safety has to pick either to go with Treadwell or with Diggs. And you're right, it's he goes with Treadwell that maybe he's reading the quarterback's eyes there. I also wondered, though, if you have Laquan Treadwell and Stephon Diggs and you have to pick one of them, I mean, personnel has to matter a little bit there, doesn't it, for, for who you're going with, or do you just well, do yeah, what you're I mean, supposed to do? Yeah, of course it matters, but I think also, like, sometimes you, know, you, know, you know, we all sort of get to overanalyze. I mean, as we sit here, you know, on our couches or on our desks or in our offices or whatever on, you know, Wednesday, 
and we have a couple of days to look at this thing. You know, in real time, there's a lot going on for that tree safety. Mm-hmm. So if you sit here and analyze, like, you know, man, uh, why is he look, you know, following Laquan Treadwell across the field and leaving Stephon Diggs? That's easy for us to do. And that's probably something that, you know, the, the, the Packers DB coach will point out, like, who's the, you know, who's the more, uh, you know, important weapon for the Vikings that, you know, you, should, you know, cognizant of. But, you know, at the time and, and the play clock and, and a lot going on and short motion, a stack over here and all the different coverages, it's a lot of times really hard for, uh, for, for defenders and offensive players to take all that information into account. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you should play with your instincts for the most part. And my guess is, you know, Kirk Cousins probably really subtly, probably with that, where we couldn't tell on film, was really looking at that underneath guy. And all you have to do a lot of times, especially with a guy like Diggs, who's really fast, uh, all you have to do is just get that free safety, that deep safety, just to sort of settle his feet or just to sort of move his hips in one direction. Because mm-hmm. once that happens, uh, there's just no way he can recover and catch up to a guy with with, with uh, the, the, the speed that Diggs has. So one of the things we hear about all the time is quarterbacks going through their progressions. Do you have a sense for what the progression would be on a play like this? Yeah, so it all depends on the coverage. So if this is a zone coverage play, uh, so if this is zone coverage, um, when Adam Thielen's coming across the field, all right, his cornerback would not be covering him. He mm-hmm. would let him go into somebody else's zone. So that that the corner on the top side of the screen would back up then and then cover Laquan Treadwell, right? So versus zone, uh, Treadwell is off, all right? There, there's just no chance to throw to him. You're just mm-hmm. asking him to throw the ball into an interception, mm-hmm. basically. Um Versus man, then he becomes, uh, you know, a, a possibility. Uh, so you sort of start, that, that's where it all sort of starts. Is it man, you know, is it zone? Uh, for the most part, you're peeking at Treadwell, especially versus man. And then you're thinking the high post to Stefan Dick, which was open. And if that's not good, then you're thinking the far cross to Adam Thielen to your check down, which is the first, uh, by, uh, uh, you know, by the, by the running back. And so, you know, it's a really good sort of, it's, it's a true high, low, uh, you know, type of pass play. And, and it's why I said it's, it's good for, it's good to call it sort of versus all coverages because there's a chance versus all coverages and these sort of pure progression plays like that, mm-hmm. like this. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that's a, it's best versus man. It's good versus quarters a lot. So if this is a cover four, uh, defense, what they, what they call quarters, um, the Laquan Treadwell, uh, route would not have been all the way across the Field. Mm-hmm. He would have actually covered, uh, went across the face of the inside safety, which would have been the safety on his hash. And so, uh, you know, the, the routes obviously change versus the type of, uh, you know, coverage that, uh, that, that they see. And so, yeah, versus, you know, in cover two, this may have turned into sort of a inside post. And then my guess is that Stefan Diggs would have probably ran a more, uh, widened almost a go route mm-hmm. instead of a post route. It's can sort of almost changed to a, what they call a double go, uh, combination. Uh, but still with that, you know, deep cross or far cross, uh, by Adam Thielen. So it's a great play. And again, it all goes back to protection. You can drop all these beautiful pass plays. A lot of people do, but if you can't protect the quarterback, uh, you know, it really doesn't matter what you draw up out there. The, uh, the motion by Thielen, is that giving him an indicator on man versus zone? Uh, yeah, maybe a little bit. Uh, yeah, maybe a little bit. Uh, the, the nice thing to do a lot of times is to have like, a, you know, the tight end side, 
And then you would see, okay, there's a linebacker covering him outside. Is right. a safety covering him outside or is a corner covering him outside? If a corner is covering the tight end and then say the linebacker is covering uh, Adam Key in the slot, you know it's some sort of zone coverage, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's an easy way to sort of ask the defense if they're going to be in man or zone. Uh, but the short motion really is, is for um, the Z receiver, Adam Thiel in this situation, he has to be sort of just off the tight end to get across the field. Mm, There's okay. just no way from an out wide position. He can run, you know, 40 some yards all the way across the field. So you sort of have to get him uh, sort of a head start there. Uh, it also, as you get closer to the tight end, a lot of times those corners back up because they don't want to get kicked uh, or, or whatever in some way by, you know, another player, especially the tight end if he goes down to a pass route. So a lot of times you, for in the, those short coverages, or I'm sorry, in those short motions, you see man-to-man cornerbacks back up because they don't want to get in, in, get busted in some sort of pick situation. Okay, last thing, and then I have other questions about the Vikings situation here. But the uh, protection that you mentioned, Brian O'Neill had to come in off the bench uh, for Rashad Hill, who hurt his ankle in this game, and he's got Clay Matthews over the top of him, and it looks like a sort of a stunt where Kenny Clark comes behind on his side, and it looks to me like O'Neal picks up on what's going on with the stunt just in time to get enough of Kenny Clark to protect Kirk Cousins just long enough for him to get it off. Yeah, it is truly amazing uh, how close, uh, in a lot of past plays, you don't realize it, but you go from a touchdown to, you know, complete disaster. You know, right. isn't on time in this situation. Now, this is why you see a lot of times, I see a lot of, like, in college football, uh, you see quarterbacks taking three and four hitches. It's just a totally different game. There's way less timing involved. Mm-hmm. In the NFL, you take that first hitch, uh, you better, you know, be ready to let it go. And everything has to be on sort of perfect time because the longer you hold the ball, you know, all those twist games, they usually get there. And so, yeah, it was a really nice job by the, uh, by the offensive line, nice job by the center, I thought as well. Even though he's not really blocking anybody, he does a nice job of sort of backing up and, and picking which side is most dangerous. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, the toughest block in all of them is the tight ends. And as a quarterback, you actually know that. Yeah. A lot of times you know that David Carlson or whoever the tight end is, they're the one who's in the toughest situation because they're going to have the defensive end man to man, at least for a minute. Or at least for a second, I should say. They're going to have the defensive end man-to-man. A lot of times the tackle comes down and then comes back to help out. But initially, he's by himself, and that's the weakest spot of that of that pass protection. Right, right. Yeah, It's uh, this is this is one of the great things about um, the, the access that we have now to the film is being able to go through all this stuff and give an indication of how many things have to go right for you to hit on a play like that and how many different assignments are. I was also thinking about Cousins because, you know, when somebody hits on a deep bomb, I think we always just think, oh, you just just throw it up there, just launch it. Uh, how much do you work on throwing 60-yard bombs in practice when you're doing your workouts in the offseason, all those sorts of things? Because it's only one play, two plays a game possibly, but it made the difference in this one. Yeah, yeah, you, you, uh, I think the key is usually in plays like this, you have generally a sort of a set spot on the field that a quarterback is sort of trying to throw to and then a receiver's trying to run to. You know, mm. that, that's the thing, especially versus certain coverages. As I said, if it was a sort of a cover two look, it probably, it probably would have been 
more up the sideline and the, the route would have adjusted. Mm-hmm. But versus this type of coverage or even that, that quarters coverage I was talking about earlier, there's probably an exact fun. So it's probably the hash. You know, Gary Kubiak used to talk about, Kyle Shanahan used to talk about, we're calling the post route because they're running to the goal post. So hmm. you got to throw it sort of towards the goal post, and that's the angle that they're going to set. Is also to the to, to the goal post, so we all can sort of be on the same page. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they would also say, you know, the you know, a lot of quarterbacks wait too long, and they try to with everything they have, sort of as far as they can down the field, you know, sixty sixty five yards, you know. But usually, the further you go down the field, uh, the less likelihood a completion happens. So this is very much a timing route. You know, when the quarterback throws the football, uh, the receiver at that point should be sort of uh, what they call you know sticking it. Or whatever, so you're sticking that right foot in the ground and really sort of taking taking an extra burst uh, to the high post, and it all should sort of time out uh, about perfectly. And it, and it really was on this play. Uh, Diggs actually, if you if you're watching the play, Diggs actually slows down for a second, almost like he was thinking he wasn't going to get the ball. Uh, and very luckily, that that didn't that did not cause an overthrow by uh, by Kirk Cousins. Oh yeah, you're right. That's I I, I had not noticed this in the other watchings that. Uh, let's see. It's probably around midfield where he kind of looks back, like, is he throwing it or is he not throwing it? And then that that ends up turning out to be perfect. And yeah, I mean, it actually almost gave him a little bit of room there to work. Like when he slowed down, that the uh, defender slowed down a little bit too. Yeah, they call that the slow up, speed up. If the, if the DB, if the receiver slows down, the DB slows down, and then you can speed up and get a little separation. So I don't think it was on purpose, uh, but that's the way it worked out. By the way, defensively. Uh, as you said, they would call this either one robber or one lurk coverage. Mm-hmm. Um, it's basically it's a man-to-man uh, type of deal, and the free safety or, or the strong safety, um, it, it doesn't really matter. One of them sort of pops down uh, to sort of uh, look for any sort of crossing routes over the middle of the field. In this situation, he pops down, and, and he chooses to take uh, Adam Thielen, which was a very good decision mm-hmm. uh, over Laquan Treadwell. So uh, in some ways, they had the right coverage called. Uh, because they're taking away that, that deep cross by Thielen, uh, but the free safety was a little bit too aggressive on Laquan Treadwell. Uh, if the free safety plays deep, you either got to throw it to Treadwell uh, or work to check down in, the, in this type of defense. Well, that is a fantastic breakdown, and I look forward to doing more of these with you. And again, uh, I'll include the link so people can go and look at that video and uh, listen back and, and get the complete analysis here. Uh, I'm curious, Sage, when you're a quarterback and you're switching centers, what that's like. Because Kirk Cousins gets here and he's got Nick Easton, and then he's got Cornelius Edison, and then he's got Brett Jones after they make a trade. And now it looks like, and we'll see what happens in practice, but at least either this week or next, he's going to get Pat Elfline back. And Elfline last year was fantastic. He was the leader of, of the offensive line. If you listened, uh, if anybody listened to the Jeremiah Searles episode of our uh, podcast here, he explained why Elfline was so good in his first year. So to get him back is kind of getting the general of the offensive line and somebody who can help the run game. But how difficult is that when you're changing out centers from the quarterback spot? You know, it's really not bad. I, I tell you what, people don't realize that every single practice you go to, uh, the, the, it all sort of starts for the quarterbacks and the centers, what they call center quarterback exchange. And every single day, uh, you're going to get, I don't know, probably roughly 20 snaps uh, with different centers. You're usually going to sort of you know, change them out. Sometimes again with the ones and then the, you know, the, the number one, number two quarterback will switch 
uh, with the centers, and and so everyone sort of gets a, 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 a you know a quote unquote feel uh, for a different center. And you know, there's many many times in my career when you know the season starts, we add somebody on the practice squad, we add somebody on the roster that's a center. You know, maybe there's an injury, we sign somebody off the street, and uh, there's there's always sort of like a sigh of relief. Uh, when you take those first couple of snaps, you're like, oh, good, this guy can really snap the ball because some guys struggle with it. They're just not consistent. Uh, maybe they haven't done it that much before in their past. Maybe they were a guard that played a little center, but they were just never a great snapper, whether it's shotgun or just underneath. And so you do really have to practice. Uh, if you don't really realize, the center quarterback exchange is very much underappreciated. It's probably because probably one of the reasons so many high schools and colleges now just go to all shotgun because it is it is a challenge Mm -hmm. i realize these centers you know they are blocking 350 pound huge guys and they have to move as they're snapping if they snap it and then move you know they're going to be late to the game and and uh you know that that could be everything so you know for them to they're constantly moving as they snap you have to ride them or right or left and a lot of times there's running plays to the right but the center's blocking back so Mm -hmm. if you want to go to the right you have to have your hands have to sort of go to the left. Uh, there, there's a lot. There's more complexity than people realize to the center quarterback exchange, and and uh, it's it's a huge sigh of relief when you get that new center and you're like, oh, okay, I can feel really comfortable in this situation. Not have to think about it too much because if you're thinking about the snap count, uh, or I'm sorry, the snap, and you're worried about a bad snap or fumbling the snap, then man, there's there's sure as heck a big challenge of trying to defenses and coverages and blitzes and all the stuff that's going on on the other side of the football. Yeah, how about the the pass protection part of it? I mean, it, it seems like when you've got a really good center that he just takes all the pressure off of the quarterback, you know that he's got it. Well, a really big center does two things. One, you know, as everyone says, they're sort of the quarterback of the offensive line. They usually set the table. You know, what front are we looking at? What, uh, you know, what linebacker are we going to be working to? You know, they sort of what's the initial call? Because once they make their call, you know, then the guards, the tackles and even tight ends and running backs, they start making their different calls based off of how that center sort of sets the table. That's number one. But number two, they're the ones who sort of begin and, and, and create the integrity of the pocket. You know, they always talk about quarterbacks step up in the pocket. Well, if your center and your guards are getting pushed back, you know, four or five, six yards, there's nowhere to step up. That's where that interior push by guys like Linville Joseph, you know, are so important. So obviously setting the table, but number two, uh, it's, it's, you know, just, it's, it's creating that integrity of the pocket so the quarterback can step up, uh, and have room to throw. Okay. This has been, uh, our most super football y, in depth football episode, and I'm really happy about that. Um, <laughs> Sage, let's, uh, let's wrap here. By well, okay. One more thing before we get to our backup quarterback or journeyman quarterback of the week. Let's go journeyman. Backup is disrespectful because most of these guys started. Um, we'll do that in a second. Trap games, real or not? I don't think they're. I don't really think they're real. I mean, everyone knows you're only going to get 16 games, and I mean, you know, will the Vikings be as amped for this game as they were for last week's game at Green Bay? You know, probably not, but. I, I don't think it's a trap game. I mean, I think everyone realizes that you play against other NFL teams, even when they're bad. They're loaded with great athletes, guys that were, you know, all-American college football players, a lot of guys who are pro, are pro bowlers. You know, the Buffalo Bills were in the playoffs last year. They're just off to a really crappy start. I mean, first game of the year, they're playing in the rain uh, at Baltimore and don't play very well. 
and obviously it didn't play really well last week. So, you know, obviously the Vikings are a better football team, but I do not see Zimmer's team going, you know, hey, we're just we're going to roll out our helmets and that'll be good enough for us to win. Right. These guys know that. There's enough veterans on this team. And shoot, uh, you know, if you're around long enough, guys like Everson Griffin and these guys have been around for a while now, you've lost games against inferior opponents. Mm-hmm. And so that is the worst feeling. And so you always sort of prepare yourself. I'm never letting that happen again. And uh, you, you take everybody seriously in the NFL. Okay. I agree with you. And the stats back that up too. There have been studies on trap games and they're not really real. Most of the teams that are supposed to win do win. And if you're describing it as like looking forward to the next game, I don't think NFL players really think that way. So it's sort of just something that we say in hindsight after someone gets upset is up. Oh, well, that must have been a trap game. But a lot of times it's for whatever other reason uh, that they didn't play well. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, the, the Vikings probably have a, you know, 80 percent chance of winning this football game, I would say, which is really high for the NFL. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, there is that one in five chance they lose. So I wouldn't call that a trap game. It's just, you know, the. The ball bounced the wrong way. They didn't play well, and, and Buffalo made some good plays, and, and they could lose this football game very easily. Okay, journeyman quarterback of the week. This is what we're going to be doing, or maybe just of the episode, because there are so many awesome ones. A.J. Feely is the one that I have for you today, Sage, because you played with A.J. Feely in 2004, and I went to his Wikipedia. It's, a, it's just a treasure trove. I mean, he's from Idaho, he was the backup in college to Joey Harrington, and he was once traded for Cleo Lemon. This, this, <laughs> this, this is why we talk about journeyman quarterback Sage because of AJ so, Feely. So you, we start off here with one. Uh, this this whole conversation, journeyman quarterback conversation, started because I brought up Gus Farratt, I believe, twice in the last uh, episode, and Ray was, Lucas, and Charlie Batch. <laughs> oh, that's right. I sort of went through them. Well, interesting enough, AJ is one of my closest NFL friends. Uh, he's from, yeah, sort of Idaho, eastern, uh, eastern Oregon, right along the border there, um, from a small town. So he and I grew up very similar. He's a small sort of farming town of about 6,000 people called Ontario, Oregon. And, uh, he was, he was the starter at Oregon his junior year. And I believe about midway through the season, maybe two thirds of the way through the season, he hurt his elbow or he got hurt. And then they put in Joey Harrington for like the last four or five games. And that was sort of the end of AJ's, you know, playing days. Joey came and played so well at the next year, AJ's senior year. Joey Harrington was a starting quarterback and AJ basically didn't play, you know, almost at all as a senior year. So, uh, you know, the guy was undrafted. I'm sorry. No, he wasn't undrafted. He was un, he was not invited to the combine, mm-hmm. uh, even, but Andy Reid liked him so much just based off of his junior film or however. You know, they got to, you know, see him because he hadn't played all that much. Uh, they, they drafted him in the fifth round and, uh, you know, didn't play his, his rookie year just like I didn't put my rookie year, but his second year in the league, uh, came in and, and did a really nice job. I think he went four and one, uh, or something like that, maybe four and oh as a, as a starter in that second year and, and kept Philadelphia in the playoff hunt, uh, till Donovan McNabb came back from a broken, uh, I think a broken foot or a broken ankle. And, uh, you know, ended up, I was in Miami a couple of years later. Uh, AJ gets uh, traded down to Miami by, by Rick Spielman. Rick Spielman wow. traded for AJ with a second round draft pick. Uh, AJ was there for about a year and a half. Nick Saban came in that second year and uh, I had beaten out AJ at that point. I was the number two guy. AJ was number three. 
And, uh, you know, for multiple reasons, probably they, they traded him for Cleo Lemon, uh, <laughs> to the San Diego Chargers. So, you know, AJ went from Miami to San Diego and, uh, we had Cleo Lemon on the team. So, you know, after that, he had a really nice, he and I had a you know, very, very similar growing up, very similar career. He played, I think, 11 years for probably, you know, five teams, the Rams and, and uh, he ended up back in Philadelphia, I know, for a little bit. So, uh, he is now, uh, married to a girl named Heather Mitz or Heather Mitz Feely, who is a professional soccer player. She has two gold medals from the Olympics and, uh, they've got, uh, three, uh, young children. They live outside Philadelphia and he owns a, uh, uh, health or I'm sorry, medical device, uh, company or distribution, uh, uh company or something hmm. like that and, uh, is completely moved on to the NFL. He's not in the broadcasting game or anything like that. Uh, you know, we, we still chat about it every once in a while on different teams. And I think he likes the fact that I'm involved and paying attention and I can give him some information because, you know, once you're sort of out and you sort of go in the other direction, uh, it's amazing, uh, you know, all the transactions and games and plays and players, mm-hmm. uh, that you're not paying attention to, you know, just like most people are out there who you just can't cover at all. So a couple of other notes just from his Wikipedia and stat page that uh, Coy Detmer was the backup to Donovan McNabb. And then Coy Detmer also got hurt to open the door for Feely to, like you said, go four and one Coy Detmer, another classic journeyman quarterback name. And I, what my, one of my favorite things to do Sage is to go onto the pro football reference pages and look at the game log. So every game that the guy ever played and sort by what his best game was and almost every single time a journeyman quarterback has some incredible outrageous night where he just lights everybody up for who knows why and for AJ Feely that was December 31st 2006 he threw 321 yards three touchdowns in a victory for Philadelphia over the Atlanta Falcons 24-17 a 128.5 quarterback rating for that evening it's my favorite it's my favorite uh, I- when a guy shows up and just goes nuts now I think the best game AJ may have ever played, uh, and Dolphins fans remember this. I believe this is 2004. Uh, it was a Monday night game. Uh, Patriots fans remember this too. Yes, Monday night yeah, game. I Patriots, I, yep. were like had 14 wins or something like that. And you know, we were, we were a bad football team. We only had about three wins at the mm-hmm. time. And Dave Watts had already been fired and we're playing New England on Monday night. We're wearing, uh, orange. Dolphins jerseys. I think for the first time, this is, these have never been brought out. This is sort of the early days of like the alternative, uh, you know, color jerseys. And so we're wearing orange against the Pats. AJ played really, really well, hit Darius Thompson, uh, down the seam on a, I think on a fourth down, a 10 or something for a touchdown. And we ended up winning that game on a Monday night game. That was, uh, for me, that was the best I ever saw AJ play. And he and I were teammates that year. And, uh, uh, you know, he, he was a talented guy. He was just a good all around athlete, good high school basketball player. And, uh, had, had a really nice career, a very nice journeyman career, made yeah. a lot of money and, and, uh, has, has now moved on with his life. Yeah. To have a great journeyman career, you've got to have moments like this. And he outplayed Tom Brady for the rest of his life. AJ Feely could tell anyone I, for one night, not just outplayed him, decidedly outplayed Tom Brady because Brady didn't even throw for 200 yards and threw four picks in that game. So 
Very cool. Well, we'll do this whenever we can. Pull up a uh, journeyman backup quarterback, especially ones you know are. Uh, are well, perfect. I was gonna say so, so, the, you you picked the one I probably know the most about. Yes, uh, and I know a little bit about Coy Detmer and a lot of these other guys, but uh, yeah, you, you picked the one I probably know the, the the best, and so I think that was a good start to uh, to our new segment. All right, maybe I can get a big voice guy to say, and now, journeyman quarterback moments. Um, all right, Sage, well, we'll connect again next week and talk about what we uh, saw uh, against the Bills, if it was a trap game or not, and uh, then we will preview the Rams game as well. So, Sage, great catching up with you, and thank you all for listening to the Purple Podcast. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar, or pie made with fresh cosmic crisp apples. There are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the buy five or more, save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.